Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from a crowded luxury skybox above the holy site Lumen Field in weirdly sunny Seattle, Washington. That city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today. Where Mayor Jenny Durkin, donning a well-worn beast mode jersey and completely horrifically jokerfied, has just asked us if we want to know how she got these scars. <laughs> hey, we're back. It's me, Colin. I'm here with Munya, Greg, and Brian. And we're talking fun, cool stuff of the future. We're talking Tesla and how rad and valuable it is. And Bitcoin, the currency of tomorrow. Yeah. So welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome everybody. And uh, by Tesla, we're talking Nikola Tesla and his car that he built in 1910, right? Yes. That's why the government killed mm-hmm. him. And I know yeah. based on that list, everybody's thinking, oh, this is the seasitting episode you've been promising for so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's coming. Not people. so. It's There's coming. just so much. The... the uh, like libertarian fantasies are such a like a bottomless well that like you can't all fit into one app. So <laughs> yeah, well, books and uh, books and books could be written on that. As an avid fan of computers and investing, I'm very excited, <laughs> uh, and I'm just gonna sit back and just listen to the music. <laughs> Take it away, boys. <laughs> Well, thanks, Brian. Um, I, I hope you enjoy this music. It's, it's um, it, that's somewhat would call a uh, difficult listening, but uh, you know, you come out, you come out feeling smarter by the end of it. So, um, wade through the most mind-numbing, un- inexplicable market that we call the global financial market and equities market. Yeah, Moody, you're bringing like some actual expertise in here, and that's good because this shit is difficult to get through. I feel like it's difficult until you realize it's all a scam, but you can't just say <laughs> it's a scam, right? You, you know, sometimes yeah, you, you got to know you some sound details. Like a crank. Yeah, well, like you were saying earlier, like anytime this has come across your path, Brian, in any detail, you're like, "Up, oh, scam! Don't need to read anymore." Yeah, and it's, I, it's like it's like your um, your junk mail filter. Like, I mean, I don't mean in your inbox. I mean, in your mailbox where you pull out the physical <laughs> shit and within a, ha- a millisecond, you glance, you're like, junk, 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 just goes right in the trash. Oh, a- envelope that says emergency open now under penalty of federal law. No return address. Trash. Just yeah. like n- don't even need to think, don't need to investigate, don't need to know what it is. That's what we're talking about today, folks. Yeah. What's in those junk mail envelopes? Yeah, and the thing is, the devil's in the details. So, uh, Tesla, yeah, I mean, it's got to be a rock-solid company, right? Highest evaluation, uh, you know, richest world's richest man just happened overnight. His, like, wealth tripled or something. That's normal, so... Can you buy a Tesla gotta, in Bitcoin? Got to be rock-solid, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, extremely normal stuff going on at Tesla, and just the... Um, U.S. financial system in general. Um, so, just some backstory. Um, I'm sure a lot of these list, uh, you listeners know what um, Tesla is. It is Elon Musk's crown jewel, um, the electric car company that is going to innovate and disrupt oil and gas and um, develop a new frontier to uh, for clean energy, a utopian uh, vision for the future. 
um, with our savior, Musk, at the forefront of it. And, you know, a lot of haters and losers uh, doubt Elon Musk's ambitious plans, but they don't know genius when, it, you know, they see him in the yeah. face. So well, um, a lot of people think that he, you know, he doesn't have time to both call people pedophiles on the Internet and run uh, the most innovative company that's ever existed. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, right. Like y- you would think that one man who, you know, is the, um, you know, the CEO of Tesla would not be on Twitter um, calling journalists uh, blue checks or like, you know, uh, <laughs> being in like a rose emoji apply <laughs> re- replies all the time. Um, Didn't he get dragged by the SEC too for like posting too much basically? Yeah. yeah basically. So, I mean, like, and, and this is this is like one of the interesting things about Elon Musk is that like, um you know, and I think it just go points to more just um, kind of. I, I don't want to say corrupted necessarily, but just like broken down um, system of regulation, like within um, the financial markets. So, like the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC is the one that uh, regulates like equities trading, which is like stocks. Um, and uh, you know, Elon Musk has been pretty loose with his uh, tweeting on stocks. Like he um, constantly attempts to manipulate a stock price. Like once he actually even tweeted um, with no evidence or backing of it at all that he was taking his company public. Um, sorry, he was taking <laughs> redo that. Um, that he was uh, going to take Tesla private for a premium price, and he said, "I'm going to take Tesla private for four hundred and twenty dollars per share, funding secured." And it turns out he had no funding at all. There was no basis for any of that. No one, no bank or financial institution yeah. was backing it. It and, was Grimes' um, record advance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the boldest, like, uh, pump and dump scheme ever, though, right? To just, oh, like, yeah. as a famous, <laughs> like, the famous CEO out in public, not, like, trying to juice, like, you know, it's, you're supposed to be, like, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Like, you juice the stock from some unknown forces so that the people you're convincing to buy it to inflate the price like don't know it's coming from you the principal holder like anyway yeah. i'm just saying he's a genius yeah <laughs> no and this is like very like you know ceos like i can't who can even name the ceo of ford and gm like off the top of their head like they're not like just tweeting incessantly about their stock price like a lot of like corporate ceos actually don't really care it's kind of like abstract in a very um you know, not like really core to their business and certainly not their like personal brand. They more care about like, you know, core business and operational fundamentals than that. And so, um, but Musk is like a completely different person who like really cares deeply because um, Musk compensation package is tied up um, entirely in Tesla stock hitting a certain price at a certain time. And um, that is really the reason why uh, he has uh, become the richest man in the world because he has a $55 billion compensation package uh, because Tesla stock hit um, its target at a certain uh, you know point in time, which is now. Um, well, that would seem to incentivize yeah. bad behavior, Munya. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Listen, we're talking about a guy who owns a car company who uh, is investing in uh, you know infrastructure, transportation infrastructure mm-hmm. based on pushing cars through tunnels. So I think he has like, yeah, you know, he, the bigger picture in mind. Yeah. His, uh, his whole fortune came initially from uh, South African apartheid era emerald mines, which this he is- invested in eBay. So, you know, <laughs> that was him. So we're talking the height of ethical business, but it should be noted too, that, I mean, 
we all know Donald Trump is the God tier poster on Twitter, but he's gone now. And Elon Musk is one of the front runners. Uh, that's the stock he's really trying to pump. Yeah, that's the front runner yeah. to be the next, next Trump top on poster. Twitter, the next, the next <laughs> God tier. Literally. Elon Musk is only ever unintentionally funny. And the, the thing no one will ever be able to beat is Trump was simultaneously among the funniest people, both <laughs> unintentionally and intentionally. Well, you know, when Jordan retires, it's impossible at that moment to imagine who could possibly fill his shoes. Yeah, but you yeah. haven't seen LeBron play yet, right? And so, Elon, we're ready to see you play. Munya, how the fuck? So, he got $55 billion as part of his compensation package mm-hmm. for essentially juicing Tesla <laughs> stock by, like, gaming the rubes on twitter is that what it is? is that basically what you're telling me <laughs> makes sense to me <laughs> well yes and it's kind of like um it, it's it, it's that and even more than that which is even more shocking right because um elon musk has cultivated this um personality where a bunch of people on twitter um you know i think like i dare i really do not wish this upon anyone uh if they say anything bad about like the k-pop band bts like you'll get like (laughs) rated with like so many almost like death threats like every single time like guaranteed like how dare you like threaten bts or like Katy perry or something right like um and it's the same thing with like the corporate ceo elon musk where um he has the same type of like fever and almost like religious devoted fans who um, you know, claim that he is like here to save us and that he's like very epic. And this guy posts just like me, makes fun of women online and, um, you know, uh, says like epic Reddit bacon stuff. And, you know, <laughs> then therefore I'm going to buy Tesla. And that's like fueled by, um, you know, Robinhood and a lot of different apps, uh, but especially Robinhood, which is, which is like a commission-free trading app where um, it encourages what we call like retail investors where, um, you know, people who really do not have any like um, financial insider information. Um, the dumb in money. Art, yes, is what is basically called dumb money. And um, uh, <laughs> a study actually showed that um, Tesla stock uh, what, volume like really uh, went up a lot in Robinhood after the stimulus checks came in. And so um, oh, just to, <laughs> you know, invest in like epic Elon Musk. But um, what's well, even, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I was just gonna say, I mean, an interesting parallel is, you know, right before the Great Depression, you know, as the market was, you know, voraciously speculating on housing and stuff like that. One of the things they did was they opened up housing speculations through essentially like penny stocks and stuff like that, but opened up housing speculation to the rubes, right? People who were not mm. investors, people who didn't know the game and didn't realize that their whole job was to essentially recapitalize all the real, like, gamblers at the table right all the real like big money players at yeah, the table. Right. something in the pot and yeah. like and you're thinking about the colts is true i mean i was having a phone conversation with my brother the other day and he was t- and i was joking about tesla and like the cars light on fire he's like no that man's a genius like you know he's like those things are for, are legit for real my brother's a plasterer <laughs> in Indiana. <laughs> <The> <laughs> fuck is, you know but like why is he this invested in this man right but he's built a cult what of else personality. is there what else is there to fucking believe in you know sure. Like, there's no, there is no future, there's no, like, beautiful future of tomorrow that certain generations were promised. There's not even, like, basic prosperity. But maybe there's going to be, like, electric cars. So maybe that suggests that there could be kind of a technological 
future salvation somehow that's well, unclear. Or there's a technological Superman who can solve all of our problems. Yeah, great. Right. Um, and I, I, I think that that is a really key funk. I guess a really key point that you guys made because Tesla is, it's bigger than just the rubes. The rubes definitely like play a part of it, right? Um, but Elon Musk's whole thing and the reason why um, Tesla is now worth $783 billion. And just for reference, right, um, GM, General Motors, uh, is valued at uh, $72 billion. Ford is valued at $39 billion. VW is only valued at $100 billion, right? Like all of these yes, car companies. GM, right. Yeah, GM, the company that 50 years ago was the largest company on the planet, yes. is now right. uh, uh, slightly under. Right, yeah, I mean like no. under... Uh, Tesla is valued 10 times the size of GM right now. But even, I think, more shocking, if you want to really put this in perspective on what like a company valued at $783 billion really means, um, you know, if you look at even, uh, you know, oil and gas companies, right? Um, ExxonMobil is valued at $204 billion. Chevron is valued at $177. Shell, $155. If you even go to banks, like JP, JP Morgan Chase is like $422 billion. Goldman Sachs is 103 billion and Bank of America is uh 285 billion dollars, right? So that's significantly higher than like some of like the biggest US companies like, you know, on the planet in terms of in terms of revenue, in terms of um just size and overall um you know, even like McDonald's is valued at 156 billion dollars. So how was like a you know, an upstart um what we kind of call an upstart uh, company like Tesla valued that high. And that's really the game that, um, you know, Elon has been playing all this time, right? And is basically selling expectation. And the whole performance and show of it is actually something that's actually really important on Wall Street because um, unlike, you know, let's say just like a balance sheet where you see you know, numbers and, you know, you see like the assets and liabilities and okay, this is like how much they actually made. It's actually about the present value of the future returns. So it's not about what the money that they're making today. It's the money that investors think they're going to make in the future. And so when you buy Tesla... How many Tesla, cars do they think they're going to sell? Well, <laughs> yeah. And so that, that that's the crazy thing because when you buy Tesla, you're actually, you're not buying the company at what they're currently moving you're buying the company at the expectation on what they think. So right now, um, for instance, if you bought, um, if you buy Tesla right now, you're buying what is essentially a value of thirty times what they make in revenue. Um, and for comparison, uh, like for instance, like uh, a company like uh, Exxon, uh, they're like you, you're basically paying a one to one like price mm -hmm. to sales. Um, even like for like Facebook and tech companies, you're paying like, you know, a, a nine to one or a four to one or a six to one, right? With like Facebook, Amazon and Google, um, a 30 to one price to revenue ratio is like, um, extremely eyebrow raising for a lot of people. But, um, well, it, you know, it insinuates that like nothing can go wrong between now and those future projections, right? Like, it's basically saying everything has to like Tesla must, um, you know, make and, grow the amount of basically like t in 25 years it should be at that expectation and nothing can go wrong in between those 25 years so um it has to be like perfect execution and you know meet those expectations but um the thing about like elon and like how i think he sells that is that um 
is kind of overpromising. And then when you don't deliver, you promise something else. And mm-hmm. um, that has just been a, a complete cat and mouse game. Uh, but even more disconnected from these fundamentals are the fact that um, Tesla stock has actually risen um, a lot. Like, and I guess like to give an example of like overselling, um, he claimed that um, very soon we'd have a, um, a autonomous cars for Tesla. And when you park your Tesla, then they would actually drive themselves and pick people up mm-hmm. and compete with mm-hmm. Uber. So you basically hail a Tesla. It picks you up as an autonomous driving vehicle. And, um, you know, you, it basically then becomes a self-driving Uber competitor, um, decentralized. And analysts look at that and say, oh, wow, we just thought this was a car company. But now uh, this is, we are now valuing this as a car company and a a ride-sharing company and an autonomous driving company. So instead of it being fifty billion, this is now a five hundred billion dollar company, and we're raising our price target. Like, and that—that's actually how expectations get raised. Is when you kind of make those type of claims. And the well, same thing have, is that, yeah. Well, I guess I mean this is the thing that's always like fascinating about this because in my mind I hear okay, so we have all these autonomous cars that uh, without the burden of a human driving it and the burden of I guess paying that human a wage. Uh, can drive endlessly picking people up, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Does that mean that there's less need for cars just total in the market? Well, I mean, you think that would reduce then their expectations for sales in other areas, right? For like personal vehicles. But it seems to, in, in the mind of investors, that that second part of the equation doesn't exist. I well, but what, it, but what it means is you're playing in more markets like no one thinks one car company is going to take a hundred percent of the global car market right but if you can have a percentage of multiple types of markets that's better than any one car company is going to do if you especially if you create that market from scratch the the car that also is a little side hustle for you during the day uh your your robot car goes off and and earns you money actually just in the system just gets directly paid to your uh, car payment. Well, and I, and I think this is probably a question that is a little too big for you to be able to answer with you. But do you think if we took the evaluate the valuations of every car company that currently exists minus Tesla and just added them all up, that it would equal Tesla's valuation right now? <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> kind don't of think sounds like if it does, far-fetched. it just barely. What's that? I, I, th- I, I really think that that might be the case. Like, um, if you really do add up all of the car manufacturers, like you would, you'd have to have like just between like GM, Ford, and VW alone, right? Like that, those three companies combined as like a super company, you you would only really get uh, about like a two hundred billion dollars out of that. Um, yeah, and you know, again, Tesla's valued at almost eight hundred billion dollars with only twenty eight billion in revenue uh, currently. So and so to meet that valuation in 25 years, I mean, it essentially would have to be the only car company left, plus doing 10 other things. Plus doing 10 other things and including, and I think that one of the biggest selling points too, um, is that you're basically like when, when you're in this like kind of new financial market that we are kind of living in right now, you're essentially betting on monopolies and uh, monopolizing, which is not necessarily a new concept. That's really kind of the founding and the kind of point of capitalism but um, it's especially true here when you talk about like expectations and um, one thing that can really like um, send a share price higher as well is um, you know betting that Tesla just becomes um, one like the uh, largest uh, 
electric vehicles manufacturer and then like the largest automaker. But beyond auto, um, now you can just like reframe Tesla as not even a car company, but an energy company. And is now, and that's why I mentioned um, Exxon, Chevron, and Shell. Um, people are basically saying that Tesla now, um, you know, has a gigafactory where they produce lithium-ion batteries um, at a very high scale. And if we were to transition to uh, clean energy um, with just our current system uh, and still intact, uh, essentially Tesla would have a monopoly on like lithium-ion batteries and just clean energy in general. Basically, um, you know. Kind of like a new standard oil in a way, um, and, th- and and that's essentially what is being bet on. And so this like little car company is now turning into um, oh well, like a rideshare and autonomous car company. And now oh, forget the cars. This is now just an energy company altogether. And this is all going to happen like in twenty or thirty years. So don't worry about it. Just buy the stock now, and yeah. buy that with that implied it will <laughs> that that it will happen. And the idea with the the bad the them being an energy company is the batteries, right? Like that if we do some green solar or distributed energy, there's a lot of batteries needed at various places, like a bank in every right. home, right. Uh, plus uh, just all kinds of other points along the infrastructure. You just need this enormous amount of lithium batteries. Right, right, exactly. And okay. uh, Tesla looks like poised to do that. There's a couple other companies like um, PYD, Um, but they, uh, sorry, BYD and, um, you know, they have some stake in it, but really Tesla is really the main player in there. So now you can just kind of just turn into, it's basically like a big future trip where you can just turn um, something into saying, if this were to happen, then Tesla will definitely be the dominant uh, player. Therefore we need to value this company, not as an automaker who produces like, you know, maybe like 500,000 vehicles per year, um, which is, um, which is dwarfed by basically every other car company. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't justify that valuation on just that. So instead you have to say, uh, oh, forget about cars. Like, you're stupid if you think that this is just a car company. Like, this is going to be like, the, 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 they're going to be powering our, the global power grid now. Um, and that's a very huge leap to make. Um, but what's so interesting is that um, with all of these like kind of like rationalities on like why this share price is rising, um, the big and most absurd reason, and this is just what really gets me about um, financial markets today, is um, really a lot of Tesla stock price um, rising because it rose over 800% in one year, uh, which means that uh, it <laughs> went from a valuation. Yeah, very, very normal. This is 2020? Um, this is 2020, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every year that definitely had no reasons uh, to question a company doing really well. Right, right. And that means that Tesla has added almost, I'd say, like $700 billion in value. Like their value went up $700 billion just within the last 12 months. And um, that has been largely attributed not even to um, you know speculation about what's going to happen 25 years into the future, but the fact that Tesla now might be included in the S&P 500, which is an index fund. And that basically comprises the 500 largest profitable companies in America. And mm-hmm. if uh, Tesla is in uh, the S&P, that means passive capital, which is essentially um, you know, stuff like you know, Vanguard, mutual funds, um, BlackRock, holding trillions of dollars in passive funds that are forced basically to buy the S&P, like every stock in the S&P 500. If Tesla gets added to that, 
um, they will buy a crap ton of Tesla shares. And so therefore, because there's a guaranteed buyer for Tesla shares, if they do get added to the S&P 500, which they have, um, then they're that like, well, happen. let's just... That run. happened yeah, last year? It, it, just, it happened like maybe a few months ago now. Usually what happens and what's so interesting and peculiar about Tesla is that like, um, it's very rare for like a company that's valued at such a high valuation, like 800 billion to suddenly just come in. They're like now one of the largest companies in the world, right? Right, um, yeah. And so usually it will be like a small, like, because like out of the 500 companies, the lower of those companies, they're like small players. They call, we call them small caps, right? Like they're maybe valued at $2 billion. And like, you know, they might be replaced with another company that's valued a little higher um, the next quarter, right? Like $2 billion, $3 billion, like that's kind of table stakes, right? But when like, you know, Tesla comes in valued at $800 billion when being excluded from the S&P before because they were unprofitable, um, you know, that, that implies that, uh, you know, the share, like just the amount of shares that need to be bought to, I guess, represent the S&P after they're included uh, means that um, just like billions of dollars will just be automatically invested, um, you know, from these passive index funds that pe- people like normal people in their 401ks invest in, right? Um, and so all of that capital is just waiting to be unlocked. So everyone's like, well, why don't we just run up the price? Because they're going to buy it anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really how... Uh, the price of Tesla has ran up so far. Um, Wait, that can't not be right, even... Munya. That's <laughs> you're start. That's starting to sound like it's sort of self-reinforcing and a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. That that can't be what you're saying <laughs> about a stock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm saying, and I think that this um, this tale of Tesla and this kind of um, hubris, almost um, hysteria, but also self-fulfilling prophecies um, in general kind of tie into a broader trend we're seeing in financial markets in general, where, you know, people like Elon Musk, who actually do have like real assets and real companies, um, are kind of, that story is on the more legitimate side of (laughs) some of the stories that we um, have seen that have a lot of money um, invested in them as well. And so, um, you know, I think like the, we're going to look back on this era Maybe if I mean, I don't I'm not really a fan of predictions. Right. Um, But um, I can tell from history that, you you know, we've been historical low interest rates as well. Right. Um, From quantitative Mm -hmm. easing. Um, Those low interest rates have really like pumped the stock market up for various reasons. It's really easy to borrow money to put into the stock market. But it's also means that a lot of different assets are not really valuable. Like, for instance, if you go to your bank. Um, they probably say like, wow, you can get like 0.5% interest rates. And I think like people my age might be like, yeah, that's the only thing I know. But, you know, there was a time when interest actually, you know, did mean something. It wasn't just like, um, you know, a very small rate. But um, because rates are so cheap, um, you know, equities like Tesla stock um, rises quite a bit. And it's easier for Tesla to even borrow money in the first place, too. It's almost considered free money at that point, right? And so... Um, that's led to just like an all out like stock frenzy um, during a pandemic when like I think the fundamentals of the economy have been very poor. Um, the stock market in general and especially Tesla has been thriving to um, a pretty mi- mind boggling degree. Yeah. And I mean, you had since uh, some articles to read and one was from the Wall Street Journal here. This market ra- markets rally highlights bets on recovery. But there's all sorts of contradictory information in here. We find out that Tesla is one of the biggest, you know, sort of stock winners during uh, the, you know, COVID crisis. Yet, you know, it's a car company and the other car company that did really well, which, you know, its stock 
is up 800% from last year is Carvana, who is a used car retailer, right? So <laughs> somehow the two winners of this are selling used cars and selling very expensive new cars, right? And that seems contradictory, I'm going to hey, say. Hey, that's the K-shaped recovery, man. Yeah, and just like it, as it's mentioned, I believe in this article as well, as well as another one that you sent us, is that, you know, Tesla is, yeah, it's going to be this clean energy energy company, right? That's another reason why its stock is going up. But also its stock's going up because it essentially is doing like cap and trade speculation on carbon credits, right? Yeah, correct. Essentially uh, funding the, you know, incentivizing, you know, European car makers in particular to uh, just keep polluting as per usual and keep the oil industry afloat. And I mean, these seem contradictory you know, instincts. And I think the key that you had mentioned earlier is that's because there's like zero interest money flooding the market. The wealthy are, is it, who have access to it, you know, they need to put it somewhere and they sure as fuck aren't going to put it into, I don't know, the like usual shit that 50 years ago you might have invested in, like, uh, you know, GM or something like that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody, nobody below the top 10% has any fucking money in this country or a lot of other countries, right? Neoliberalism has hollowed out the like consumer core. So why not gamble? Well, here's, why not the speculate? Other th- here's the other thing. I mean, we know like everybody's pretty much getting the message and we think on some level capital is as well, that shit's changing. Like the world is unstable politically. COVID has fucking, you know, who knows what long-term effects this is going to have even just economically. And, you know, everyone's getting the picture on global warming. So you can look at that, and say like, oh, te- this is one of the justifications for Tesla's value because it is this in various ways a green energy company, electric cars, batteries, everything it's doing in that regard. But every normal company looks bad on a basic level that everyone's that all these companies have been around in our business models that have been around for decades, right? GE, even these other car companies, everything. Even the fucking other tech companies are essentially something from right now, right? right? Like conceptually, their business model is about selling stuff that we know and understand and that has a place in our economy now. But everyone on some like gut level is looking around and going, this is all going away. And yet I have to invest. I have too much money. I can't keep it all in fucking dollars. I have to put it in somewhere. Right. Well, because of the very thing that Munya just said, which is if you just stick it in a bank account, it doesn't no earn anything interest. in interest. And if you're having simultaneous price inflation right. and stuff like because that, you're losing money by putting it in the bank account. Because you have they're to pumping throw it back so much market. money into the fucking economy directly in a way like it sounds it's sounding to me like Tesla blowing up like this is this weird oddity. The idea generally is to pump all this money in. Keep control it with low interest rates so there's not runaway inflation to keep all this propped up. And the idea is the money goes up there, pops up all the stocks and keeps this whole charade afloat. But because everyone's looking around going, this is all going to fucking collapse, but yet I still have to do something with this money. You have to look something. The only people saying in a way that's getting through to you on like an emotional level as even the smart money on someone and certainly the dumb money, Mm -hmm. a vision of the future. I mean, what else? How you can't bet on the present, right? Right, because I mean, like I guess, like the last kind of uh, example that I made, like I think, like uh, the reason why Tesla is really po- profitable right now is because they're basically exploiting a neoliberal market-based solution towards um, energy and climate regulations, where you get carbon credits, 
um, for, uh, you know, not emitting or, or like producing lower than your, uh, you know, industry's target. And you get those credits. And um, if you have excess credits, you can sell those on an open market for other companies who are not making that quota. So, you know, for instance, like, you know, <laughs> Ford or VW or, you know, let's say uh, Exxon or Chevron or Shell mm. uh, will have to shell out money to Tesla to buy those credits in order to, you know, do business in Europe or to do business in California. Amazing. And um, that's really how Tesla is making the most of their money. That's how they um, made a profit. And ultimately, because they made that profit, that's how they got into the S&P and all the capital uh, mm-hmm. started flowing into Tesla in so, general. This is the and trade part of cap and trade. Yeah. <laughs> which effectively means there is no cap, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, this was what people complained about with cap and trade when it first was suggested is that you're just turning this into a speculative asset that's going to exist independent of any environmental goal. And this is exactly what we see the perverse incentive here with Tesla, which is now that they're making money selling carbon credits, they actually are incentivized to not realize the non-polluting oil-free future that tesla supposedly promises right they're incentivized against fucking you know uh this idea of converting everybody with battery technology and shit like that right i mean they're incentivized to keep the oil industry alive as long as possible because they are now a partner in profiting in it right so essentially the oil you know uh you know octopus or squid has essentially just pulled Tesla right. in yeah. and made Tesla a partner. They're now, and Tesla is destroyed. now effectively an investor in oil, in oil, in in, in all the polluting companies. They're now they have they're making an investment in that, and it's paying a dividend. And this has they're part owners. Apparently, eluded our our investors who are investing in Tesla, right? Because I mean, again, these seem to be contradictory goals and statements, you know. Yeah, yeah, completely. And so, you know, the story of Tesla is just a story of, I think, the modern, you know, uh, financial markets that we find ourselves in, and like the modern economy that is like kind of just based on a lot of like, I'd like to say like a Rube Goldberg machine of uh, weird, um, like gray area, uh, what some would call scams, some would call um, shaky accounting and just showmanship, um, you know, that like ultimately leads to, um, you know, Things that are completely disconnected from the broader economy or impact, um, you know, from production itself, but just from like pure financialization, speculation and, um, you know, moving, moving money around. Right. Like, like that's that's just kind of like what it is, is gaming markets to its advantage. And, um, you know, Tesla is just like, I think, such an emblem of that in so many, so many ways. Yeah. And I mean, it seems to be this product of just the state like endlessly doing these, you know, capitalist side recoveries of just pumping money into financial institutions to keep the market afloat in the hopes that I guess uh, some of that trickles down on the rest of us as we know it never will. Um, I mean, is there any way out of this state controlled, state backed currency markets? It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's that get really funny that you ask. It's really, really funny that you asked that, Brian, because um, there is a solution that is actually on the rise to C-steady. get away from <laughs> to get away from state-backed fiat currency and into um, people-controlled currency that has no um, government and has no ideology. I'm listening. Only, 
<laughs> that only knows line go up, line go down. Yeah, and we're line. of course talking about uh, Seattle sucks box, right? That yes. people can invest in right now. No. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're issuing our new um, cryptocurrency Seattle sucks uh, coin. <laughs> we're gonna be issuing it at uh, three dollars per coin starting off. So get it so, while you can. But yeah, so we're talking, you know. Bitcoin, obviously, which like Tesla has seen this just enormous spike in, you know, I, I mean, I guess people are buying it, but I'll, I'm going to put quotes around this. It's enormous spike in value. Yeah. Um, what the fuck is happening there? Why, why is that happening? Yeah. So Bitcoin has been going through a lot of really um, interesting moves recently. So, you know, for those who don't know, Bitcoin is a, a cryptocurrency is one of the biggest cryptocurrencies um, in the crypto world where essentially, um, you know, if you buy Bitcoin, you, um, you know, buy and you can buy fractions of Bitcoins and they're, um, you know, essentially just like, uh, uh, at first, I guess they were claimed to be used as currency. Now, um, you know, who knows why people are buying them, but, uh, you know, you buy them on the blockchain and, um, you know, you get to have a finite piece of crypto because the thing about crypto, um, uh, for Bitcoin is uh, they actually have a fixed amount that they have. And so uh, similar to gold, where it becomes like a kind of like a precious um, limited resource and scarce resource, um, Bitcoin is kind of the same way. And so it kind of started as this utopia vision to basically um, go away from uh, the banks and not be backed by any um, Federal Reserve. It was a libertarian um, utopian vision of uh, a currency that is not controlled by any government and is um, strictly controlled by a, um, a market of buyers and sellers. And um, mm-hmm. uh, they believe that like, uh, you know, Bitcoin will be the new global currency um, to end them all. And, um, you know, fiat currency, which is what the U.S. dollar is, what the Great British Pound is, um, you know, will be no more because Bitcoin um, basically democratizes um, all of that and uh, opens up access to um, I guess, uh, currency as we currently know it and have one unified currency. Huh. Well, like, how much is it, like, do they think it would be the global currency or is it really more that they think it should be the global currency? Because it sounds just like uh, an updated, gold, like, old school gold buggery, like, to me. Like, uh, probably a lot of people are familiar with, like, the sort of most uh, recent generation of gold bugs represented by Ron Paul um, mm-hmm. wanting to bring back the gold standard pegged the dollar <laughs> to gold. Um, but I mean, this it's got a long history in sort of uh, in crank politics in America, certainly. <laughs> um, this idea, this like weird misunderstanding about what money even is. Did they, re- did they really think that was going to happen or are they cranks going like, you should like this because it's better? You know? Kind of, kind of the former, and like just a little history on the price movements of Bitcoin. Like, I mean, Bitcoin um, really, um, you know, it's kind of started in 2010. Like, I think as a uh, as that, um, and it really was pretty quiet in terms of, um, I guess, popularity, uh, except for like kind of like subsections of the internet uh, until like I'd say um, about. Uh, like late 2013, when the price went of Bitcoin went from 189 uh, US dollars for one Bitcoin to over like a thousand dollars, just that month. 
thereafter. Um, mm-hmm. That was that marks kind of the first Bitcoin bubble, uh, going from uh, you know under two hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars. You know the prices went down, it subsided, and um, you know from twenty fourteen to twenty. I'd say you know, like late 2016, early 2017, the price kind of stayed relatively flat. And that was kind of called a crypto bubble. Um, now in 2017, um, there was another very huge bubble. And one, I think that now really brought Bitcoin on the map on a really grand scale. And even people's parents were talking about it. And Bitcoin went from like, again, like from, you know, around $500 uh, in like the start of 2017 Uh and a year later, it reaches apex at uh, 20, um, 20K, right? So it went from $500 to $20,000, uh, right? And that's like, I mean, again, um, massive hysteria. People were then like leveraging their, uh, you know, mortgage, taking out second mortgages, um, you know, betting um, extremely like, I mean, like basically taking their life savings and putting it into Bitcoin because they thought it would never go down. Um, it did. It went back down to. <laughs> <laughs> it went back down to about like around like three point five uh, thousand, right? So going from twenty to three point five is like about seventy five percent. Did they not get the, the the memo about like buying low and selling high? Like what happened there? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, but like you know, um, they they should have, I guess, just bought low and sold high. But I guess they kind of did the opposite. <laughs> But if it's it okay me, because that's what I would have done. Well, yeah, it is a testament frankly. to Americans' boundless optimism that when they see something like overnight rise, uh, you know, into the stratosphere as far as that, you know, price or whatever, that they instantly think, well, that can go on forever. That makes sense. That's going to keep going it, up that, the direction it's going now. Not like, <laughs> whoa, that seems really implausible. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you why know, is it doing this, right? Yeah, I mean, it's something that doesn't happen with, you know, pretty much any asset in your life. Uh, yet when you see it happen, you're like, well, that's normal. So it'll keep happening. It's, it really is a testament, I guess, to American well, optimism. And, because and it, it's like a, a totally yeah, irrational thing of seeing something shoot up incredibly in value and think now's the time I'm going to get in on the ground floor. Like, clearly the ground floor was, like, 10x ago. And that's a little weird. That's a weird thing to think. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the smart money has been out saying, though. I think the the Winklevoss twins of Facebook fame, Mm -hmm. they have one of the biggest holdings in Gemini, I think is the name of the the Mm -hmm. company. Yeah. And their target, I believe, is 100k, and they're not alone in that. They they firmly believe that Bitcoin's going to hit well, I mean, 100k. The last and out people, that. well, the last people you should ever listen to are the smart money. If yeah, smart I, money keeps its own fucking counsel. If they're telling you something, that's it, it's they're you know yeah, yeah they're trying to I, juice it. I don't disagree, but that's all I'm saying is that's sort of what's going on. Everyone is yeah. saying you yeah. got to get into Bitcoin and. I think uh, isn't um, most of the the big financial players are in the market now in yeah. some capacity. Right. Uh, venture mm-hmm. capital firms, I think, are in it now too, and some of them are employing some of the same strategies that they use to destroy the dumb money in the the stock market by using high frequency trading or. Mm-hmm 
doing arbitrage against exchanges well, because there's no single exchange. Well, here, why, maybe expand on that a little bit, right? Because I think people, so if you're me, dumb money and dumb in every way. You, uh, you don't actually invest, Brian. You, you're, not, <laughs> you're just dumb. There's no I, money involved. I have $5 in my pocket right now. Who <laughs> wants it? But yeah, but no, you know, when I talk to, like, I've had friends that, like, were excited about Bitcoin, right? Who were not stock people, right? They weren't investors, right? But they saw, they read the news stories, right? And they wanted to get invested. But I, what I would try and explain, like, hey, like any, you know, con job in a financial market, you only exist to fund the actual big players. Like, this is not an even, uh, you know, it's not an even board here. Right? Yeah. So explain the, like, high-frequency trading shit. Called. Like, what, like, how does that... Uh, how does that give advantage maybe to people that aren't me? <laughs> well, we, that fuck over dumb I think we talked about this maybe, was it last week about how all these big financial companies were trying to get as close as they could to the market so that their computers could do trades faster and faster and faster. Yeah. And you mean like physically close, yeah, like physically, not just like exactly, emotionally, yeah. intellectually close, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like as, physical yeah, proximity, proximity <laughs> as close, close as possible. And all of those same modern financial approaches are being leveraged in the Bitcoin markets because all almost all the exchanges have APIs which allowed you to, to, to trade and query prices uh, in relatively real time. Some of them mm-hmm. are pretty close to real time. And obviously trading as a computer is a lot faster than trading as a person on the street. And... I, know, I don't know the chronology of this, but there there were a lot of pump and dump um, sort of appearances going on in the market several years ago where somebody would be pushing the, the price up, sell and get out. And it would just be this sort of roller coaster um, ride going up. And there was a lot of speculation that it was these new players uh, doing high frequency trading techniques and then, uh, like I finished saying, doing arbitrage, which is enabled kind of by these APIs where there's no one price of Bitcoin, actually. At least, maybe it's more efficient now. I don't know. But there are several of these exchanges, and they all have a different price, possibly, of Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency at one time. So it's possible that you could buy uh, some crypto, let's just say Ethereum or something, and on one for like $10 and then on another one for some reason the price is 11 bucks you could sell it immediately uh, mm-hmm. on that other exchange and make the money on the inefficiency of these exchanges and those yeah. things like that whole model of making money in this exchange like or this uh, this way to my knowledge doesn't exist with stocks because it's a centralized regulated thing but there's no such centralization yeah. or regularization with these cryptocurrencies and this has led us to what I think you were trying to get us to Brian which is the Bitfinex is am I pronouncing it right Munya? Uh yes yes Bitfinex. Yeah so that and this was created I believe in 2017 right or was it shortly before then? Uh shortly before but it really came into prominence in 2017. So this is one of the bigger crypto exchanges and it's been sort of in the news. Well, according to you, Munya, it's been on everyone's radar uh, almost from its inception because it's related to a extremely dubious crypto, crypto, cryptocurrency um, called, yes. <laughs> called Tether. It's multiple levels down the crypto layer where exactly. the real freaks are. 
Um, there's this this currency, this crypto cryptocurrency called Tether, and the whole the whole foundation of this currency is that it will always be worth one dollar. So one Tether is always guaranteed to be worth one U.S. dollar. Wow! <laughs> yeah, Brett, Brett Woods in the crypto space. Yeah, Bretton Woods never died at Tether. Like. <laughs> It's it's still in effect. <laughs> yeah, how is that possible, Colin? How can just like one <laughs> crypto just be worth one U.S. dollar? They must yeah, that, be like backed by U.S. dollars, right? That that is wild. So it there, this has been highly uh, scrutinized, and the company has walked it back a few times because I think they never they they of course marketed that it was worth a dollar and then people obviously asked that question and said okay so you you're holding all you this money have a right a whole bunch of dollars and yeah, then they go you are a uh, bank. yeah and then they go uh well not exactly we have a <laughs> dollar worth of assets um, <laughs> for every every tether and Which, I, as far, yeah. wow well and as asset values are constant shit. so that's yeah good. so so exactly extremely so in, normal stuff i <sighs> So in the old, like when the dollar was pegged to gold, the idea was the U.S. government held a bunch of gold reserves, as they still do. Basically, it just boils down to the U.S. government had a set price of gold in its own currency that it would sell you on any day of the week. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that this is a thing that actually happened, right? I mean, when Nixon got off the gold standard, it was because the French government literally was like, Oh, you know, under the Bretton Woods agreement, the dollar was pegged to a certain amount of gold. And the French government basically, because of the war in Vietnam and stuff like that, was like, yeah, we'll take the gold, please. And uh, Nixon saw one ship of gold go to France, lost his fucking mind. (laughs) What the (laughs) fuck are we doing? (laughs) It it basically got us on the gold there because there was a for sale win sign on the U.S. government out out in front of the Treasury that said, gold two dollars something three bucks an ounce or something yeah so there's there's a piece from 2019 that kind of talks about what we just talked about it's called the invention of money and um if if you're really skeptical about the historical precedent of this it's talking about banking in the 17th century uh Mm -hmm. so this this has a very long and storied history and basically what we're kind of describing is this um fractional um fractional reserve banking mm-hmm. um which is stated i believe in the creator of bitcoin's manifesto the edgier manifesto satoshi nakamoto <laughs> to be um disgusting uh un- forever unclean because this is the fed this is how the fed works right yeah and be- yes exactly it's that there, there is <laughs> There is essentially like one source of um, one bank that guarantees the 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 holdings or in, in this case, when there was a gold standard that has the gold and all the other banks, they don't have to carry all of their liability uh, on hand. And of course, for libertarians, because they just find that deplorable, it's disgusting. And the way that Bitcoin solves that in scare quotes is that um, there's no there's no question, as Munya had said, about how much Bitcoin actually exists because it's all in this public ledger and there isn't a government that creates it. It's all this algorithm. Uh, so in that respect, it's very transparent. 
uh, because you can we see know, every transaction of yeah. Bitcoin. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all public record. So there's this concept, right, of this this banking methodology that they find disgusting, and it kind of looks like that is basically what Tether is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is is that it is a fractional uh, reserve banking system that allows you because no banks want to touch Bitcoin for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows you to have some quasi guarantee about the value of Tether and have it be backed to an asset. Um, though oddly enough, in this case, the asset is actually fiat currency. Kind of weird, huh? A mm-hmm. U.S. dollar. So the company that created Tether is the com- is the company that also created this Bitfinex exchange. Um, and there was a story. <laughs> Wait, can, can, can we just br- break this down for like just or at least repeat that for a second? Yeah. So, sure. I, and j- just to make sure I have this clear, the company that created the um, what is essentially a um, a derivative of the U.S. dollar in crypto form that is supposed to basically replicate the U.S. dollar. Um, that was made by the same company that uh, hosts a crypto exchange. Yes. Where you can Bit- buy and sell cryptocurrencies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bitfinex. Um, and this all, this all plays into the skepticism, like we had talked about, of Tether from the get-go. And there was a story going around this week called The Bit Short with a really juicy headline, obviously, calling back to um, the big short. And it this, this piece goes into uh, kind of all we were talking about, the history of Tether, what it allegedly represents, uh, the fact that the a certain person was really skeptical about the value of the dollar, so they went in big on Bitcoin. And then they started looking at how much Tether was going into the Bitcoin market. And they found that, I mean, I think they don't have percentages in here, but it's like well over half, 10.09 billion dollars worth of Tether is going into the Bitcoin exchange. And then eventually that kind of gets laundered out into other cryptocurrencies as well, like Ethereum was one, Litecoin, Qcash, across all exchanges. So this... Tether is moving in very high volume um, across all exchanges, at least that accept Tether, because there are a few that don't. Oh, this is saying over two-thirds of all Bitcoin in, in a 24-hour period bought by, by Tether. <laughs> That's normal, right? That, no, nothing to worry about. Yeah, exactly. This person sees all this movement in Bitcoin, uh, well, and all cryptocurrencies because of that, based on Tether and started looking into the effect of Tether on the price of Bitcoin. Just breaking it down like from the start is like um, Tether claims to basically have a crypto version of the US dollar. And that is only possible because um, they claim that it's backed one to one with the US mm-hmm. dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out But when you ask them to see that, they yeah, say, uh, they no, say uh, no, no, <laughs> thanks. And no, we're not going to do any audits. And Where's no, actually, it's not backed from uh, US dollars. It's actually like just various assets that equate to maybe some some of that, you know, funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, 
the only way for Tether to actually be truly one-to-one is to like to be worth one US dollar, right? Um, and behave like the US dollar is for it to be directly backed by the US dollar. And that's not right. the case. And so because that's happening now, and if you know you are the controller of Tether, let's say like you're Bitfinex, right? Um, and you basically have convinced a whole swath of people to accept that you are basically US dollar 2.0 um, with no real um, you know, method to prove that. You can now okay. just say, yeah, right. So, so let's just say like you have you know, 20 million tethers, which means 20 million US dollars. You can wake up the next day and snap your fingers and say, I now have 50 million tethers or I now have 100 million tethers mm-hmm. or a billion tethers. And I can use those tethers because they are accepted as the crypto US dollars. I can use all of those tethers that I created out of thin air to mm-hmm. buy Bitcoin. So this isn't so tether is not on some kind of back as to whatever this means. I don't really understand, but it's not backed by like the blockchain in that it's like clear how much exists at any one time. It's just it's its own separate object. So and they can so, say they like there's no accounting for how much how many tethers there are in the world. Well, right? no, no, there, well there are there, there is accounting for it. And it's actually like kind of clear um, as day um, for like when, uh, you know, the the amount of tethers. Um, oh, but it goes up day to day. It goes up. It goes so up. So it just ran. It can just go up any at any time based on like the people who control it just like yeah do. sounds like fiat they just currency, say it huh? goes up yeah it's, yeah. it's fun yeah. it is yeah. funny like it's all it's coming clear now so it is what it is the fed they've done these crypto guys have come in and yeah not only counterfeited the u.s dollar but also created uh that that evil uh satanic institution a a national bank Mm-hmm. Uh, modeled after the Federal Reserve, both in the sense it's maybe the two key senses that it backs the uh, the banks with uh, fractional reserve banking, right? Where they don't have to have they're only regulated to the extent that they have to have like ten percent of their uh, right. liabilities actually in the Federal Reserve Bank, right? Uh, and two, just like Ben Bernanke said, well. When we need there to be more money in those accounts, we just make it go up with the computer. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Except so they've for just even created... less accountability. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. But I mean, the... They've just created the model of the U.S. Federal Reserve. And I right. love it. It's yeah. Beautiful. Right. They're, they're essentially creating, you know, fiat currency that's created out of nowhere. But the thing I mean, the libertarians always get wrong about this is what gives money its value is that there is a state who yeah. endorses it, right? And that right. state is functional and operational. And, whereas and, it, and an associated is, economy. Yeah, whereas this is a shadowy, uh, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the story here, fucking criminal enterprise. Yeah, so it sounds that like organized It's just crime telling show. you, like, trust me, we got money. And what starts to alert our... Uh, our writer here about this is he starts to find out that when you go to places like Bybit and stuff, some of these markets, there's these hilarious promotional tether giveaways where they're like, Hey, uh, <laughs> tell two friends about tether and we'll give you $10,000 in tether. Like uh, get two people to sign up and we'll do which wow. any normal person looks at that and goes, Oh, this is a scam. That, this is made up. 
is it a scam that you could get in on the right time and walk away with $10,000? Well, you know, if you're lucky, maybe. If you're on the ground floor and there's still... Look, with this kind of stuff, if you get in while the smart money's still pumping it up. The thing is, like, if you show up while the bank robbery is in process, maybe you can get some of the $100 bills that are falling out of the bank, uh, the robber's thing. But the thing is, you're not in on the bank robbery. No. And there's no way you you can... Yeah, you're you subject call to the that vicissitudes moment. of the bank robbers. Yeah, exactly. Point, right? And so you can <laughs> easily, just as easily, have your pocket picked. Yes. Yeah. Because you don't know when it's and going in fact, off. You're in the prime position to have your pocket picked. Yeah, you're, you're, the you're the mark, benefit. really. Yeah, yeah, you are the mark. Yeah. Just hoping maybe they don't see this you on owns. the way out the door. This rules so hard. I love this. This is really like this is uh this is bold this is a bold story, even for like the well, I guess what's great about it is it's like it's the chickens coming home to roost for the crypto dorks of like this unregulated nonsense they've been doing for over a decade. Like some people are coming in to just fleece them to just mm-hmm. to just just fuck them because <laughs> they can. They've left themselves <laughs> wide open to just get killed. Well, I think it's <laughs> and it's, I love it. It's also kind of a Madoff scheme here because one thing. um that I'm speculating on. Okay. I'm wondering if let's say that you're these tether folks and you buy just a ton of Bitcoin when it's low. So you have a ton of Bitcoin, right? And you've said that this maybe at that time you even have a one to one. So how do you make your, your tether worth more? You make Bitcoin worth more uh, because then you yeah. have more, more buying to back power. your tether. Exactly. And so I think what could be happening here is that this is what they've done because they're not saying what asset it's backed by. So it could be backed by Bitcoin. And that means that if it is, then they have an incentive for that price of Bitcoin to go up because it means that then they can print more tether. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's this feedback loop and it uh, is kind of almost like a Ponzi scheme because it, it requires people to keep pumping up that price. Or else yeah. it, it it's more akin to a run on the bank, right? If people and he gets into this, if people start converting, and Munya, you mentioned this too, if people start converting that tether into dollars, then you have a real problem. Right. Um because it's akin to a run on the bank. Well, what this guy eventually found out was that the tether is just entirely made up, right? So the company, right, right. you know, the the people who are moving the tether, right? essentially are just making up out of thin air and getting people to exchange their Bitcoins for it. And then taking those people being like, yeah, here's a $5,000 in tether in exchange for $3,000 of your Bitcoins. Thank you. And then they would take those people's Bitcoins and exchange it back into us dollars because only one of these currencies is actually real and backed by any like state institution. So you want that. Right. And, and that was the scam, right? As they were getting the dumb money to bring their bitcoins over to their made-up market and exchange for their, uh, you know, uh, their fake, cur- yeah, their, yeah, 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 the like uh, fairy box or whatever, their wizard dollars. And, and it's also just currency fraud too. I mean, to like oh, 100%. the U.S. dollar. I mean, that's and the whole thing ridiculous. was. And the thing that Tether was protected by is they're in a completely unregulated sphere. So they can say whatever they want, which was, oh, don't worry. Every Tether is backed by a U.S. dollar, right? Which this guy quickly finds out is not the case. It's, in fact, just entirely fictional. Also, that is probably, yeah, that is probably a, even just saying something's backed by the U.S. dollar has got to be 
illegal. Right? No, it's extremely That's illegal, which is why they're doing it on Binax. Okay, on, so uh, <laughs> so is the Secret Service going to come knocking down his door? Do they even do? Do they even work? Is the Secret Service? They're in, in the fucking Treasury Barbados. Department anymore? What are you going to do? You know. All right. Well, yeah, they are. Being, I mean, they are being investigated. The company yeah. behind Tether is actively and in, being investigated right now. Yeah, I mean, I think they can like shut it down, but I mean, it's I. It, who are the perps that you're going to walk? I mean, well, I mean, we don't take. I don't know. It'd be that's a, it's an interesting case because like there's so much financial fraud, um, and then there's there's so much tax fraud. Is this going to be a new level of thing that we find out is just not enforced? Um, is just nobody cares about is currency fraud? Like we already know, like no no rich people are paying their taxes. I mean, legally they don't really have any taxes to pay, but even though they're also hiding their money, um, yeah. there's massive securities fraud going on. Like we know, just top to bottom, it's a fucking crime scene. And none of this stuff is prosecuted. The we know the IRS, for example, has been you know has no money left to, to go after anybody. Uh, the SEC, the other regulatory agencies, like basically don't do this shit anymore. Uh, they didn't after two thousand eight, and they didn't in the run up to possibly preventing it. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the new frontier where like there's rampant what is on the books as currency fraud and just nothing comes of it or is that a red line to protect the dollar right like at what's mm-hmm. is this stuff gonna be happening at a small enough scale that capital can see its interest is like oh you're making money over there whatever or yeah where's that line gonna be i don't know i mean you know if the u.s government wants to enforce like its currency laws like uh overseas it can do that they can send black helicopters and and nab you like they do it for other things right like so but beyond that, it sounds pretty foolproof. Because what if? What if there's a run on fucking Tether? They just all they have to do is flip the switch. Oh shit! In that ten minutes, we lost ten percent of our shit. Like who cares? They've already yeah. fucking robbed the bank. Yeah, well, the it, bank robbery just keeps going on until it, it stops. Exactly, Greg. And like the thing is about this, and wh- like how Tether keeps going, unlike a bank and getting like ran on the bank, where um, or like you know a Madoff scheme where. You know, if people all of a sudden decided to uh, convert U.S. dollars in or sorry, tethers into U.S. dollars, um, actually Bitfinex and um, Tether would not be um, affected from those existing shares. Because the thing is, is like they again, they created the tethers again. Mm-hmm. You, they wake they woke up one day and decided that instead of however, like four billion tethers uh, now they have 20 billion tethers, just like with the snap of their finger in a second. And w- with no, um, there's no check and balances there. It's just like, sure, because you've mm-hmm. convinced an entire um, financial market that you are the standard for replicating the U.S. dollar. And so if there is a appetite for people selling Bitcoin in exchange for Tether at the dollar of like, let's say $20 billion, if I can convince people to sell Bitcoin for my tether that I just created out of thin air and that transaction goes through, it's off my hands. Like, so even if tether goes to zero, right? I already sold that tether for Bitcoin. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. The people yeah. is now in a secondary market, right? Like yeah. they, they have no, no having tether means you have no claim um, mm-hmm. to that. Right, it's just basically 
um, you're just trusting that they, you know, back it. So from Tether's perspective, if they can just issue, just kind of like how companies issue shares to raise money, um, they're mm-hmm. issuing Tethers um, and selling it on the open market for Bitcoin. And because people believe, people being just like market participants believe that Tether is the standard for the US dollar, um, they're willing to actually buy um, or I guess sell Bitcoins for Tether in the billions of dollars. So you yeah. could just make a killing. It's essentially saying like my guitar pick is worth um, one US dollar. And um, <laughs> yeah. and basically then you just get a lot of guitar picks saying like, yeah, no, actually um, uh, this is now worth like $20 billion. And people say, okay. Yeah. Well, and the, there's a there's a little walkthrough that he gives right here. It's probably worth going over just to kind of clearly lay out like what the scheme is. Right. So he creates this fictional investor, Bob. So, Bob, you know, step one, Bob, a crypto investor, puts 100 of you know, $100 of real U.S. dollars into Coinbase, which is a regulated crypto exchange. Right. Bob yeah. then uses those dollars to buy $100 worth of Bitcoin on Coinbase. Bob transfers this 100 in Bitcoins to an unbanked exchange like ByteBit. Bob begins trading crypto on ByteBit uh, using leverage and receiving promotional giveaways, all of which are Tether dominated. By the way, leverage leverage usually means debt. Yeah. Like you're taking out debt and like buying more than you actually have in cash. And he points out that in these, you know, uh, these things like, I'm sorry, I kept saying ByteBit, but ByteBit, these unregulated exchanges, you can be leveraged, you know, his friend, I think is leveraged nine to one. And he's saying he's on the low end, but people are leveraging 50 to one, 60 to one, things like is that. that just right? with Jesus the exchange, the yeah. exchange itself is allowing you yep. to borrow based on what you have in the, your, what's banked yeah. in the exchange. Basically there's people who have a hundred dollars in the exchange and the exchange is allowing them to make you know ten thousand dollars speculating on specul- credit yeah. classic fucking move classic so, good move that always goes well so tether <laughs> and so tether limited then buys bob's bitcoins from him on the exchange almost certainly through a deniable proxy trading account bob gets paid in tethers tether limited takes bob's bitcoins and moves them onto a banked exchange like coinbase finally tether sells bob's bitcoins on coinbase for us dollars and exits the crypto market so yeah. this is, you know, this is the, the con, but within that, yeah, if basically if Tether essentially buys up a bunch of the Bitcoins, they then can essentially by creating velocity within the Bitcoin market, they can push prices up in the yeah. Bitcoin market, right? Which then creates what Colin was more, yeah, more desire to trade in places like Bybit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And the thing that's interesting about Bitcoin that is going to, that makes this possible is that it also... Like Bitcoin isn't like I just hand you a dollar and you accept that I gave you a dollar, right? There's this whole weird thing where you have to convince somebody who's running the blockchain to like run your exchange before the exchange can go through, which means that exchanges can take hours before it's acknowledged that I gave you Bitcoin, right? It could take hours. I have to pay fees on it and all this kind of stuff. So people are going to these secondary markets, converting their Bitcoin to tethers because they can move it really quickly. And then they can play the market as it's meant to be played fast in the moment. Right. Yeah. And what they don't realize is they just had their pocket picked. Yeah. 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 It's There's like sleight so, of hand swindling in the digital the, <laughs> arena. Yeah. The dumb, the just hordes of dumb money that the crypto market has created and all the crypto fervor is being taken advantage. I mean, it's already being taken advantage of in a million other ways by big players who are, you know, 
taking these fees, juicing the prices, whatever, whatever they're doing. And then these guys come in, these tether people. And now the more I hear about them, the more I think the U.S. government is going to come down hard because this is like cla- this is classic shit. I mean, there's a reason not everybody's doing this. So this is either some some idiots who had this idea and was like and didn't realize like and didn't understand the gravity of what like uh, counterfeiting the U.S. dollar is and just like did it and were epic. More likely, I, this is like serious organized crime shit like out of <laughs> Eastern Europe or, or Africa Bank. or something. And what's that? Yeah, or it's yeah. Deutsche Bank. Or it's <laughs> yeah. Deutsche Bank. Yeah, very, yeah, I mean, very possibly. Like, I, like I said, serious organized crime shit. <laughs> okay. Europe, yeah. And I, I already said that. I said that, that was implied. And, yeah. and, um, but honestly, I wouldn't think even Deutsche Bank because it's actually that it, the level of criminality here. This <laughs> is like a red line. I, I think that it would be interesting to see if, like, in our new, like, our absolutely like crumbling state the u.s state <laughs> if they don't go after and act absolutely like uh like prosecute these people like find them drag them to america or just put bullets in their heads or something because this is something this is like this is a thing you you can't do ever in the you can't fuck with a state like this and so you can't fuck with I mean, this is the United States. It's the global reserve fucking currency, like and making like I, I think, a fraudulent, like a, a, a fraudulent currency yeah. in the billions, um, replicating the U.S. dollar. Like, yeah, that, this yeah, is they're, they're not going to allow this to happen. There I would guess is a comical number of crimes here. Now, the problem yeah. is, is that nobody really knows who these people are. Like, yeah. nobody actually knows who's behind it. At well, then best, it becomes we, we know we all we know is that they claim to be operating out of a bank in Barbados. Yeah. Well, that, then it becomes we <laughs> if they can't find them, then my then it becomes like a thing for the NSA or whoever's job it is to yeah. to destroy them on, you know, in their yeah, they won't exist model. online and probably like a year or whatever. Yeah, uh, it is to to break them up, try to see, try to find, you know, and track them down. But I would if they don't. Now it's one thing if they can just never find them, meaning they're it's it's organized crime somewhere deep that's you know, and they can't ever get to them. That's one thing, um, but I yeah they'll this will be shut down because you can't. This is a thing you can't do. You can't do this in any state in any society. Uh, it's never allowed to happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. you know, one of uh, Isaac Newton's job as you know uh, the head of the treasury in England was to execute fucking forgers, mm-hmm. right? So. Yep. I mean, they take that seriously, but at the same time, this was... It's foundational to the basis of the state. Well, this was the, you know, at the heart of every stock job prior to regulation in the stock market was, yeah, somebody would create some scheme, they Mm -hmm. would juice the market, usually create a massive economic depression in the process, and essentially walk away, and sometimes they get arrested or whatever, but there was always just another guy who saw that and was like, that's worth it. We go juice them, and so I. I think the issue. I mean, this just highlights something in the crypto market uh, that is beyond tether. Like, yeah, tether probably won't exist in six months or a year, yeah. but somebody will just fill the void. Oh, totally. Because this is actually why you have regulation <laughs> in money markets and things like that. Um, and this is what happens when there is no regulation. This story, by the way, is exactly similar to what happened in Russia in the nineties when all those freaks from fucking Harvard Mm -hmm. went to Russia and started doing currency speculation in Russia, which they just flat fucking stole 
hundreds of millions of dollars and brought it back to the United States. I mean, this is this is Lenin's criticism of finance and imperialism, which is that it only exists as an engine. It doesn't create anything. It just funnels money upwards. You know, yep. it takes it from the rubes, which is Bob the investor, and puts it in the hands of those in the know, which is the capitalist class. Right. There was a chart here, Munya, that you had mentioned um, that we should just make sure that we bring up, which is that it juxtaposes the price of Bitcoin with essentially the supply of tethers in the market. And Mm -hmm. they are highly correlated. Yeah, it's exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. And then it also shows that since they started being investigated, there's been a rampant issuance of tethers, which has resulted like in unhinged a, yeah a skyrocketing price in bitcoin it's like a direct correlation between tethers being issued and the price of uh bitcoin rising and when te- tethers stop being issued in a lull period <laughs> the price of bitcoin oh it crashes and <laughs> then yep. it goes back up after tethers are issued again yeah, and so, I mean, once again, we find that uh, money doesn't exist outside of human intervention or social organization, right? And uh, regulation exists for a reason. Uh, you know, they're going to get every last drop of juice out of that fucking lemon before uh, they drop it. Yeah, so, I mean, we're seeing that the engine of sort of Bitcoin's, you know, rapid growth and, you know, again, quote-unquote value is tether essentially right i mean it's pretty clear you know the scam (laughs) yeah um is there any like final wrap up to this other than that this is just all a big fucking scam (laughs) well i think yeah was there more you wanted to say Muni, about where the market is now yeah yeah so i guess like just to conclude you know we went through 2014 which kind of Peaked. There's three main Bitcoin bubbles. Like the first was in 2014, uh, where the Bitcoin price peaked at um, $1,000. Uh, 2017. And um, by the way, that 2014 one was when they also had a Bitcoin market that just uh, that created the bubble, then vanished into thin air, stealing yeah. everybody's money. So yeah. this is also not the first time this kind of thing has happened. No, <laughs> no, it's actually kind of a recurring theme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, like you know, 2017. Uh, we, peaked at about like 25,000, um, which mm-hmm. was just eye-popping. And this is when people really got into Bitcoin. And so now, um, during the third resurgence, uh, Bitcoin hit a high of 40,000 US dollars. So one Bitcoin <laughs> is equal to 40,000 US dollars, like Jesus. basically right now. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a normal, stable currency that's definitely going to take the world by storm and be used for pizza purchases and child <laughs> porn alike. Yeah, uh, no good can come of that, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah we didn't even get into everybody. all the other horrors, like the ecological <laughs> effects of Bitcoin. Yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah, we'll have to have uh, <laughs> another episode in the future where we continue on our Bitcoin journey. Because uh, it's definitely, an, I mean, look... People are going to be writing about this for a long time, about what a fucking disaster this whole thing was. Um, but, yeah, so we should thank, uh, we have a, a new patron, Alvin. Yeah, Alvin. So, Thanks, Alvin. Yeah, what's up, hey, Alvin? Alvin, it's my buddy. Hey, awesome. Like my cool, best man. friend, yeah. Nice. Yeah, welcome to the flock. Uh, we will send you your uh, matching Nikes and tracksuit second we can. Let's go. <laughs> and uh and i think uh you know maybe we'll try and put up a um 
a page that has a bunch of links to the articles we talked about today because there, there's a lot in here. So we'll try and put that up. Anything else that we want to pitch? Yeah, if you want to be like Alvin, then sign up to our Patreon and hear all our previous episodes. And you'll be able to hear this week's episode where we talk about minimum wage, Uber, mm-hmm. and the latest, newest farmer, Silicon Valley Gothic on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see you all in hell. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.